I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. And just later on in the message, I'm going to ask Pastor Matt and Pastor Joseph to come up. And we're going to be seated over here, all three of us, and share a few things. But uh, we're going to start the service this morning with a kind of a foundation of what we're going to be talking about here a little bit this morning. And so keep your Bibles open to Acts chapter 27. We're going to get there in just a few moments. It's a very interesting story. One of my most favorite stories in the Bible. Uh, but I want to start off this morning by, uh, by saying to you that there was these two frogs, uh, bless their hearts, they were somehow got stuck in a, in a big old bucket of cream. And uh, I don't know how that happened, but they got stuck in a bucket of cream. But one of them uh, was kind of in despair and kind of freaked out about it. And this, this frog was just worried about getting out of the bucket of cream, realizing that he couldn't. Uh, the other one trying to keep uh, uh, encouraging him, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. But the other frog, the one that was in despair, couldn't receive that instruction and that encouragement. And unfortunately, that frog, in his despair and in his anxiety, sunk to the bottom of the bucket of cream, and, and he's no longer with us today. Uh, but I had some good news on the heels of this bad news, and that is that the other frog realized the importance of keeping a positive and peaceful heart posture and trusting in the Lord. And so he just paced himself, and he began to just swim around in that bucket of cream and kick it around. And I think you probably know the rest of the story. As he was patient and waited on the Lord, he was able to actually get out of that bucket of cream that actually turned to butter, and he just hopped right on out. So it's a praise report this morning for that frog made it out. So here's what I ask you all this morning. Which frog are you? Yeah. Because you see, 2021 has been, for a lot of people, 2020 part two. And as we're coming to the end of 2021, I don't think unless you've lived under a rock somewhere that you would disagree with me, is that we are living in what I guess we could call perilous times, unprecedented times, times of potentially where we can freak out like the one frog and sink to the bottom, or we can pace ourselves and trust in the Lord. We talked about that last week, about that peace that God provides for us, right? In times of turmoil and times of trouble, God brings us his perfect peace that passes all understanding that is available to us if we make that choice to rule our hearts, which is our emotions, the way that we feel, and then our minds, the way that we think about things. And oh, I'm so thankful for his peace, amen? And it's just a reminder, because this is important to today, the peace that Jesus gives us is the peace that he's left with us. He says, peace I give you, the peace I leave with you. In other words, it's the peace that he experienced when he was on the earth. In all of the stuff that he experienced. I mean, read the story of his life. He didn't have a cakewalk either, did he? I mean, he was falsely accused. He was, you know, basically murdered. He was lied about. He was mistreated in so many different ways. But yet, he experienced that peace that passes all understanding. And he says, you know what? I'm not taking that peace with me when I go to heaven. I'm going to leave that same peace that I walked in with you. Isn't that good to know? And so it's a choice that we make to say, you know, I want... How many wants that peace, right? Peace not as the world gives, because as the world gives, comes in a bottle, you know, or comes in a relationship, or comes in an item. 
And those certain things go away, whether it's a pill or whether it's some sort of alcohol or whether it's some sort of relationship or some sort of hobby or some sort of thing. Those things will fade away. Those things are temporary. Those things will, will die off. Those things will rust and corrode and end up in a landfill somewhere. Those things will disappoint. Those things will betray you. But Jesus won't do any of those things. And his peace is here for us today. And it's a choice that we make. So tapping into that peace is a way for us to help us to stay focused on what God has called us to do. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, we're living in perilous times, but I want to encourage you today. Have no fear. Turn to someone this morning and say, have no fear. Right. Easier said than done, but we tap into that peace that he gives us. And we can walk in that peace in the midst of all the turmoil that's going on around us. Sometimes it's a daily thing. Sometimes it's an hour by hour. Sometimes it's every second of the day, isn't it? But God often works in powerful ways during perilous times. I'm so thankful that we have history to look back on. The history of the church, the history of God working with his people, the history of even things going on in our nation. Think about it. If you look at the Bible for just a moment, just, just give, me, give you a few examples here. The plagues that ravaged Egypt. Awful times. Those ten plagues that just were ravaging Egypt at the time that the children of Israel were enslaved for those hundreds of years. But yet, those plagues that ravaged Egypt brought freedom to the enslaved Israelites, didn't it? Difficult times, tumultuous times, but it brought freedom. God brought some good. God brought some awesome things out of some difficult times. In the midst of threats from without and in the midst of discouragement from within, you think about Nehemiah. Nehemiah, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. He rallied the people to rebuild this wall of protection around the city of Jerusalem that had been torn down. And that wall represented not only physical strength, but also strength in every possible way. And so as they saw that wall being rebuilt, it rebuilt them as well. And then they rebuilt their worship back to the Lord. And so Nehemiah was able to rally these people with the threats of saying, you'll never amount to anything. And people are going to come against you. And that wall's going to fall down if a fox walks on top of it. And all that sort of stuff that was being thrown at Nehemiah. In 40 days, he was able to get that wall with the help of a bunch of people. He rallied the troops. And with the Lord's strength and with him staying focused and him beating that drum of God is on our side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? He rebuilt the wall. And he also restored worship to Jehovah God. In the midst of all that was going on, some good came out of it. In spite of the relentless storm that ravaged the ship that Paul was on in Acts chapter 27, which we're going to look at in just a few moments. That ship was eventually shipwrecked, by the way. But Paul and the rest of the crew, 200 and I believe 78 or 287 people that were on that ship, were protected and Paul, as a result of that, was able to preach the gospel to people on this island that he otherwise would not have had the opportunity to preach to. And as a result of that shipwreck, as a result of his imprisonment, as a result of all that he went through, souls were saved, bodies were healed, and the church continued to grow. In the midst of that turmoil that Paul was going through, for no fault of his own, all he was doing was preaching the gospel. He was doing a good thing. And all that stuff happened to him. But as a result of that turmoil, some good came out of it. And those are just three examples of so many that you can see in the Bible. Here's another one. 
when all seemed hopelessly lost, Jesus rose again from the dead. <laughs> Three days later, he brought salvation to all mankind through his death and resurrection. When all seemed hopelessly lost, our Jesus Christ came and brought good out of a tumultuous and awful, dreadful situation. And I am confident, I am confident that in our current tumultuous and perilous time that God is not only going to do the same, he is doing the same. He's going to continue to come through in miraculous ways, church, because God is not a man that he would lie and he never changes. He's consistent. Because of what you've seen in past, because of the stories that you read in the Bible, because of the history of the church from 2,000 years ago to today, and God has continually been faithful. God has continually shown up and he's shown off in times of turmoil and perilous times. He's not going to relent now and say, there's nothing I can do about this. In fact, if you look in the right way with eyes that have eyes to see and ears that have ears to hear in the spirit, God is doing a new thing. Because through this tumultuous time, through this perilous time that we're experiencing today, he's working in miraculous ways because the name of Jesus is to be glorified in our generation. There ain't enough people in this church this morning to hear this message. And so you guys are going to have to double loud amen this, okay? Amen. Try it again. Amen? amen? Amen. Because God truly does work in powerful ways during perilous times. Let's look at our nation's history for just a moment. Just as a reminder, I'm a, I'm a big history buff. I love history. You can learn a lot from history. And yes, we've experienced in our nation our fair share of perilous times. It seems like every 30, 40, 50, 60 years or so, something happens in our nation over the last couple of hundred years. We've experienced some things, these cultural, what I'll call cultural convulsions, cultural convulsions in our nation that have rocked us to our core. Yet each time, every single time, God has shown up and brought a new work either in the midst of it, as a result of it, or in response to it. Think about the Civil War in the 1860s and really the events leading up to the Civil War. It didn't just happen overnight. Those were perilous times. How many remembers the Civil War? Anybody lived through that? Nobody? Good. Okay, we're good. A miracle. Yeah. Yeah, you can read about it. Yet in the midst of, uh, of this awful civil war, did you know that hundreds of thousands of soldiers on both sides of the equation, hundreds of thousands of soldiers came to Christ during the civil war. Did you know that? A revival broke out among the warriors on both sides. And actually even a few years later, a revival swept over the land as such men and really key to D.L. Moody and other people like him in that, in that generation led also hundreds of thousands of urban city dwellers to Christ. A vast revival was going on as a result of the Civil War. You think about the Great Depression and World War II. Some of you actually born during that time. Those were perilous times. The nation was rocked with an unprecedented financial collapse. They all know about that in 1929 in October. And it rolled over into the 1930s. And then, and then in the mid to late 1930s, it started overlapping with this great war against Nazism on the one side, on the Atlantic side, and also the imperial 
Jap Japan on the on the on the uh, and the Atlantic side. I mean, the United States was fighting a war on both on both fronts. But during that time, and as a result of that, in the 1940s, people began to turn to God in that decade to follow. And such men as Billy Graham and other powerful evangelists began to lead millions to Jesus Christ as a result of the tumultuous time. Many others would remember this, the, what I'll call the hippie counterculture of the 1960s and 70s thereabouts, where there was drugs just exploded onto the scene, free sex, just however way you want to do it, people dropping out of society. Those were perilous times. As the nation was reeling from an assassination of a president and also of a civil rights leader in the 1960s. They were getting sucked into this deeply unpopular war overseas that was really entirely unwinnable. A counterculture as a result of all that began to arise that threw off the restraints of the past generations with free love and illicit drugs and this radical political bent that actually is still as part of our nation. It's created this counterculture against the status quo, but in the midst of all that was going on in that, in that hippie counterculture came what is known as the Jesus movement, where these same hippies looking for an answer found that answer in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit moved powerfully in hearts and, 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 and lives as countless people turned to Jesus in churches, on, on college campuses, and throughout our nation with the impact of that movement still being felt to this very day. Amen. And here we are now in our latest convulsion, and it's one that we're actually in the midst of right now, what we can call the COVID, the Great Reset, whatever you want to call it. I'll call it the Great Reset as a result of this COVID pandemic. I haven't talked too much about it from the pulpit, and you're not going to hear me talk too much about it today because you hear enough about it on the news. I'm here to point you to Jesus today. Because as we look at history and we see how consistently God has shown up during perilous times, we have to rest in the absolute confidence that He is in the midst of all that's going on now. And we can be assured that as He did something amazing back then in the Civil War, in the Great Depression, in the hippie counterculture, then he's going to do something and is doing something amazing right now in our generation. So, amen. So, so this is what I would like to encourage you with here today. Church, listen to me. Body of Christ, listen. It's time for us to hold steady. It's time for us to rest in Christ. It's time for us to live in his peace because the God that I serve is still in control. The God that we serve is still on the throne. This COVID pandemic, this attempt at this great reset is not bigger than God. And it isn't taking him by surprise. He didn't wake up and say, uh-oh, what's happening here, guys? What will we do now? God has never wrung his hands, and he's not doing it now. And in fact, this COVID great reset is part of God's grand plan. Read the Bible. You've heard me preach about this prophetically. Things are going on today in the world. This is not some 
random thing. It's all lining up prophetically with end times. So keep that in mind. Instead of walking in fear today, church, and instead of being consumed with the latest bad news that tries to dictate our decisions, hear me, church. Let's recalibrate our hearts and let's recalibrate our minds and our spirits back to the true north of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Careful, church. It's so easy to get spun off into these things. It's time for us to get back to the good news. It's time for us to get back to the absolute, insurmountable, all-powerful authority of Jesus Christ Amen. that has on this earth, uh, that he has, he's still in authority here on this earth. And that authority actually resides in us. You see, he didn't just take that authority with him. Not only did he leave us his peace, he left us his authority. It's time to walk in it. Church, it's time for us to walk in that authority, amen? Let's fix our gaze on the author and the finisher of our faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3 encourages us today. Hear the word of the Lord. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Or I should say the news reports, the worry, the fear, all of the turmoil that so easily entangles us. We can get sucked up into it, can't we? And it's hard to shake it loose. But let's throw it off. Let's get, un, let's get disentangled. Let's get free. And let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. Keep in mind that it's hard to run a race when you're entangled. If you've got vines and things holding you back, how many knows it's really difficult for you to run a race if you've got a chain holding on to you and it's tethered to something else? You can't run. You're, you're stuck. You're trapped. So Jesus is saying, throw it off. It's hindering you. It's entangling you. Instead, it's time for you, church, bride of Christ, to run with perseverance. That means don't give up. That means be steady, persevere. In the face of it, I'm headed towards it. I'm not running from it. I'm not going to cower. I'm not going to shrink back. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to persevere because if God be for me, who can be against me? God is on my side. That authority is in me, and I'm going to persevere. I'm going to run towards it. And it's a particular race that's marked out for us. We're in this terminal generation today, church. So what's the race that's been marked for you and I, bride of Christ? That is to preach the gospel of Jesus because we're in the terminal generation. It's time for us to get focused back to true north, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, as to why we're here. That's the race that's marked out for us. It shows up in different ways, more specific to each one of us because God's given us particular gifts and talents and passions. But all of us has that race called the gospel, sharing the gospel. And at the same time, we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher. Because here's the thing. For the joy set before him. So here's the example for us. It's throwing an example out for us. Let's look to Jesus. What did he do? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He knew he was headed to the cross. The cross was not a surprise to him. He knew from the very first moment of his awareness as he was growing up, that cross is my destination. But he never shrank back from it. He never ran away from it. He never cowered back. He didn't turn tail and run. But for the joy 
What is the one of the things we talked about this past four weeks? One of the gifts from God to have the best Christmas ever is to have that joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's a joy that 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 is beyond comprehension. It's a joy that the world doesn't give. It's a joy that we can't can't embrace from the things of this world. It's the joy that the Lord gives us. And it's that joy that helps us to see past our frustrations, our burdens, and our current circumstances. And we look to the joy that's set before us as Jesus looked at the joy set before him. Because he endured the cross because it was a joy that was set before him. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the scorning of its shame. And as a result of it, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And by the way, he's making intercession for you and me right now. He is a victorious Savior. He is a conquering Savior. And he's not finished yet because he's coming back to finish the conquering and to, de- and to declare the victory over all the universe. Hallelujah. And so he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so the Bible is encouraging us today. The Holy Spirit is saying, listen, consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There's a lot of stuff going on out there, what we'll call the sinners of the world, the people that are not believers, okay? We're believers in Christ. Others that are not, they're sinners, okay? We're all sinners. Some of us are saved by grace. So what this is talking about is opposition from those that are opposed to the things of God's kingdom, to the things of, uh, the things of God, the things of His Word. That's out there, and they're boldly in your face, aren't they? There are no more cowering back and shrinking back in a little corner somewhere. It's in-your-face opposition. They become emboldened because the spirit of Antichrist is getting stronger in the world today. And so they're opposing the the, the church. They're opposing the word of God. They're opposing the gospel. So what are we to do here, folks? Are we to grow weary and lose heart? Or are we to look at the joy that's set before us and do what Jesus did and not lose heart and not grow weary and be strong and stay focused on what God has called us to do? I hope it's the latter and not the former. Let's stay focused. Let's not grow weary. Let's not lose heart. Let's not shrink back in a defensive posture. Or get sidetracked with stuff that's peripheral and stuff that's temporary. But let's stay on the offensive and let's expend our energies on the things that are eternal. Instead of giving our attention and heart and passion and energies and faith to all that is swirling around us. Instead of giving all those passions and energies and faith and heart to any man, any leader, any government, any medication, any solution, or whatever that's going on, all those things are just happening right now, are fruit of the root. There's a, a current convulsion that's going on in our world today. And it's time for you to tune out all that stuff. And let me today direct you back to Jesus. Can I just direct you back to Jesus this morning? Can I just point you back to Jesus Christ this morning? There's three things that I want to encourage you with here today as we point our hearts back to true north, back to Jesus Christ. And the first one, even though I want to encourage you with some things, the first one may not seem very encouraging at its face, but it sets us up for the next two. And here's the first one. First, I believe that we're in for an extended season of turbulence. We're in for an extended season of turmoil. 
That's not encouraging, is it? Pastor, I need you to tell me something that's going to really make me feel good today. Well, stay with me. Because sometimes, you know, you want to hear the good news or the bad news. I got some good news and I got some bad news. What you want to hear first? Here's the bad news. But it really is good news. Because think about it. When tumultuous things happen, what did I just say a few minutes ago? That's when God usually shows up, isn't it? So, again, I believe that we're, an extended for an, we're in for an extended period of turbulence and turmoil. So, remember the examples of God's word. The children of Israel, they were enslaved for hundreds of years before God finally rescued them. They endured hardship and persecution for generations. Yet God never forgot them. In the fullness of God's time, God sent Moses to rescue them. The people of Israel, in Nehemiah's example, had been exiled. They'd been beaten down. They'd been discouraged for hundreds of years before God brought Nehemiah on the scene to encourage them and get that wall rebuilt around that city and get worship reestablished back to Jehovah. And in fact, we're going to read the story about uh, Paul in Acts chapter 27 here in just the next few moments. He, he was a prisoner on a ship give you a little setup here, that, that was headed to Rome. He was going to meet uh, Caesar. He was going to present his case before Caesar. And he was on the ship along with 276 others when this storm hit. Now, this storm lasted for 14 days, and it was like a, a hurricane. It was, a, it was just an awful storm at sea. And they were not like out in the middle of the Atlantic. They were like in the Mediterranean. Think about it. They were going from... Israel in that area up to Italy. So, you know, if you look at the map, you see it's not this wide, vast body of water. It's decent size, but it's not the Atlantic Ocean. And you think about storms that come through. I mean, we've experienced hurricanes and other sorts of things. And the United States gets a hurricane and it's usually in and out by two or three days, maybe. Something like that, right? Maybe four. This storm lasted for 14 days. They were in the ship for 14 days and it was relentless. Now, don't you think God was in that? He allowed that storm. There's no storm that lasts 14 days where you're just stuck in this, in this boat for 14 days. It just doesn't happen, but it did with, with these people. The winds and the waves, they were tossing them, but there was absolutely no relief until finally this ship wrecked on the island of Malta where all souls on board were spared and God did some amazing things. I'm going to read to you a, an extended scripture here. So just follow along with me, Acts chapter 27. We're going to start in verse 13 and just listen to this story in its, in its fullness. They were on the boat and they were thinking about doing what they were going to do to get to Rome. And finally, the captain of the ship said, let's do it. So when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and they sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a nor'easter swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. It's getting worse. Because they were afraid they would run aground in the sandbars of Syrtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. 
when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. How many can see some correlations here with where we are today? After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. It's almost like, I told you so. I hate it when people do that, by the way, don't you? I told you so. But then he pivots. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Fast forward now. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors, since they were approaching land, they took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the boat down into the sea, the lifeboat, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, Paul said, you've been, constant in, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. All together, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they didn't recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. And then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and it wouldn't move. And the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship in this way. Everyone reached land safely. There's so many parallels to what's going on in our world today and this story here. If you just take the ship and make it our world. If you take the people on the ship and you make it the people of the church of Jesus Christ. And if you look at the next chapter, there's some details of Paul's opportunity on the island to heal the sick and preach the gospel. In fact, if you know anything about the Bible, the book of Acts was written by Luke, who also wrote the book of Luke. In a lot of ways, Acts is a continuation of the book of Luke. So Luke was actually on this ship. There's several times in this passage that I just read where he said, we. He was writing it firsthand experience. He was on that ship for those 14 days. 
And even though as the author of Acts, by the way, Luke was a physician by trade. He was a good doctor. He was along for the ride. But not once did it say that Luke treated any of the sick. If you read Acts chapter 28, verses 8 and 9, it says, The chief official of the island's father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. And they called Luke to give him some medicine. And he, no, that's not right. Here it is. Paul went in to see him. And after prayer, placed his hands on this man, and this man was healed. We got Paul, a preacher, and we got Luke, a physician. The leader of the island's dad is sick. Who are you going to call? Paul, the man of God. There was something that was going on there. God wanted to do something there. So when this happened, the rest of the sick of the island came and Luke opened up a little shop and gave him some medicine. No, that's not it. The rest of the sick of the island came and were cured. Paul prayed over them. He was just a man, but he was a man full of faith. And Luke wrote that down and said, you know, they don't need my help. I mean, I can tell you what's wrong with these people, but they're not coming to me. They're coming to the great physician. And as a result of all that, in the midst of all this turmoil, think about it. They were just bebopping headed to Rome. And God said, no, the island of Malta needs Jesus Christ. So I'm going to swirl you around for about 14 days and I'm going to drive you into that island. And there's some sick people waiting to be healed. And there's some other sick people spiritually that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as a result of all that turmoil that was going on, imagine them in that boat struggling and saying, God, what are you up to? God, what are you doing in this hectic, tumultuous time in my life? Why is this happening to me right now? Why is this happening in our nation? Why is this happening in our world? Why is this happening to my loved ones? Why is this thing dividing people? Why am I struggling so much? Why am I so anxious right now? What's going on? And God says, I got this. Because I'm bringing glory to my son's name. And I'm bringing strength to my people. If you'll trust me. And keep your eyes fixed on me and let that peace rule your heart and rule your mind that I've left with you. Do you like what's going on today? Not necessarily. Do you understand it? Absolutely not. But do we have faith in the Lord who absolutely knows what's going on and is still in control? The answer is yes. Absolutely. Unconditionally. Yes. And so for the next three months, Paul and the rest of the guys spent their time on that island, preaching the good news, healing the sick, which brings me to the next point that I want us to look at today. Well, yeah, we're in for an extended period of tumultuous, perilous times in our world, I believe. Tumultuous times create fertile ground for the Holy Spirit to do a new work. Write that down. It should be on the screen. Tumultuous times create fertile ground for the Holy Spirit to do a new work. Keep that up there. You see, every time something happens that creates crises and upheaval, not just in the world, not just in a nation, but let me make it personal. What's going on in your life? It's tumultuous. It's stressful that you don't understand. It's relentless. It hasn't stopped yet. Maybe it just started. Maybe it's been going on all year. Maybe it's been going on for years. 
What is it that's going on in your life that is uncomfortable? You don't like it. You don't understand it. You're struggling with it. Let me remind you that in the midst of what God is, rather in the midst of what you're going through right now, God is working. Because God oftentimes in this tumultuous thing that you're experiencing, it's a fertile ground. Hear me this morning. It's a fertile ground of the Holy Spirit to do a new work in your life. In the life of this church. In the life of the church. In the life of this nation. And the life of this world. Hold steady, church. Stay focused. Because God is doing a new thing in the midst of this. Yeah, but I'm stuck on a ship right now and I'm swirling around and I'm throwing out all of my food and everything that I have that I can depend on has gone overboard. And all I got left is this boat. And guess what? Now the boat's breaking up. Is God still in control? Has God given you a word in the middle of the night? When he says, not only am I going to rescue you, but all souls on board will be saved. Don't you know that he's in charge of the storm? Don't you know that he can provide a plank for you if you don't know how to swim and you can float to the shore? Don't you know that he's got this? Know that he's got this. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need you to figure it out. He needs you to trust him. Because he's doing a new thing. Or as Joseph said to his brothers in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Guys, what you intended to do was to harm me. But what God intended to do was for good. To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. Or, better yet, as Jesus said in John 10, 10. The thief, Satan. His intention is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But guess what my intention is through this. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. See what the devil meant for evil and what he's trying to do for evil and harm? God is absolutely turning it around for good. In your life, in this church, in the church, in this nation, and in the world. Because the God that I serve, the God that we serve, is still in control. He's still seated on the throne. He's got this. Focused. Think about this. Paul could have gotten sidetracked easily under his circumstances, couldn't he? He could have forgotten long into that storm, or almost quickly into that storm. Well, I guess I'm not going to go to Rome and talk to Caesar. I guess this is my lot in life. I guess I'm stuck on this boat and swirling around in this storm. And I guess I better just go into survival mode right now. And just get this thing figured out the best way that I know how. Just like some of the guys on the boat were doing. We'll just lower this lifeboat here. Acting like we're doing something. When actually we're trying to take matters into our own hands. He doesn't need you to lower down the lifeboat, church. In fact, he needs you to throw the food overboard. He needs you to cut the anchors. He needs you to just totally depend on him. That's the best place to be. Think about what happened with Paul. And not just Paul. But every soul on board was saved. Every soul on board, every soul, because they all chose to trust in the Lord and to believe the word of the Lord 
rather than the devices, the things of man. Paul was a Roman citizen. He had every right in the world. And all he was doing was preaching the gospel. And yet, he was thrown in prison. He was treated like a common slave. He was placed on the ship along with all the rest of those other prisoners and treated the same as the rest of them. And then, thinking he's headed known to Rome, instead this is relentless storm, just would not let up. Maybe he got seasick. I know I would have. He was dealing with complainers, doubters, surrounded by naysayers. He was almost killed. They wanted to kill him. But the centurion said, no, I better not do that. Then he was shipwrecked. And if you read the rest of the story, you can continue reading in Acts chapter 28. He was actually bitten by a poisonous snake. He was cold. He was wet. He was hungry. You know, you tweak this just a little bit and we have 2021 for many of us, don't we? <laughs> just change a little bit. It's like, yeah, it's been a pretty rough year. Any one of these circumstances could have sidetracked Paul. Yet in the midst of this relentlessness of all that he was going through, he stayed focused on his purpose. He took every single opportunity to share Jesus. Oh, well, that was Paul, Pastor Brian. He's a man just like you and me. Just a human being. He made choices. And he chose to not focus on the stuff that was swirling around him, but to stay focused on his purpose for why he existed. Church, listen to me today. Stop listening to the stuff and stop making choices and decisions and, and taking steps that the world says to take. There's a drum that's beating that the world is beating. And it's saying, do it this way. And I'm saying God's word should be beating much louder than that and overwhelming and overtaking that drum that the world is beating. And you follow the pace and the rhythm and the drumbeat of what God's word is saying to the church of Jesus Christ today. Do you hear me, church? This is just a season. This is just a moment. This is just temporary. This is come to pass, not come to stay. God is still in control and he's bringing good out of this because in this tumultuous time, God, it's fertile soil for the Holy Spirit to do something powerful and awesome in your life, in this church, in the church, in this nation, and in the world. Do you believe that this morning? I need you to double out, say, Amen. <laughs> now listen. Paul's attitude and his outlook helped him remain focused. Let me give you a couple little things here. How's your attitude this morning? And how's your outlook? Write that down. How's my attitude? How's my outlook? How's my attitude? How's my outlook? Write those two words down. Attitude and outlook. You see, Paul's attitude and his outlook helped him remain focused and effective for the purposes of Christ. Paul was resilient and he had resolve in the face of this turmoil. So I ask you this morning, how's your attitude been in the midst of all that you've experienced in this tumultuous 2021? How's it been? Can you say on a scale of one to 10, it's been closer to 10 than it's been zero? Can you say by and large, it's pagan on that side? Are you, are you saying maybe the needle's a little more 
pessimistic and a little more discouraged and a little more anxious. Let's look at that this morning. Not to, not to say, hey, we're all human and we all have our moments. And listen, let's all join that club of being anxious at times. Amen? But then it's time for us to stop and say, but wait a minute. <laughs> Nevertheless, I serve a God who's still in control. And I'm going to keep my eyes on the author and the finisher of my faith. And I'm going to pivot back to my true north, even though right now I'm getting battered by this storm. It's all right to be anxious every once in a while. It's all right to be a little concerned. It's all right to get your eyes on the storm every once in a while. But just don't stay there. Being human means you're going to keep your eyes on the storm for a little bit. You're not going to be oblivious to it, but it's going to be a reminder. It's going to be a, something that's going to cause your heart to go back to say, Holy Spirit, help me to let that be a reminder. Help me to, let that be a prompt to praise. Let that be a prompt to get my eyes back on you. Let that be a prompt to remember your goodness, your faithfulness, and all your promises are true. Let it be a prompt to redirect my heart and my thinking back to you, Lord God. Let's not be grumpy and angry and short. Let's not be discouraged and sad and depressed. How's your attitude been lately? Do you need an adjustment? Do you need the Holy Spirit to come and be like a spiritual chiropractor and go, oh, pop that thing back in place? An attitude adjustment. Because your attitude will definitely impact your altitude. How's your outlook been in 2021? Are you spending more time watching the bad news on TV rather than meditating on the good news of God's word? Because junk in, junk out. Bad in, negative in, fear in, right. But if you meditate on the things of the Lord, his word says that I will keep you in perfect peace. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. If you don't believe me, listen to it. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Oh, how many needs that this morning? How many needs that yesterday? How many needs that tomorrow? How many needs that all the time? Oh, we're not done yet. Verse 4, trust in the Lord forever. The Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. Oh, I love those two words. He's a rock, but he's not a temporary rock. So he's solid, but he's also what? eternal he's there forever on christ the solid rock i stand all other ground is sinking sand i'm going to build my house on the rock not on sinking sand sinking sand is what's going on right now in the world it's the news reports it's the different things is you got to be this way you got to think this way you got to act out this way you got to believe this way no i'm going to stand on god's word this morning how about you because that's the eternal word that's the rock solid we've seen this time and time again in god's word and in our nation's history how God takes tumultuous times and leverages them for the good of those who place their trust in him and for the glory of his eternal kingdom. And I believe that right now we're in the midst of another cultural conversion and another cultural convulsion. And while this may feel different than the others because, and it is in a lot of ways because of the prophetic significance of events that are taking place in the return of Christ. And by the way, there's not a Sunday hardly that goes by that I'll be ashamed to say that Jesus is coming soon. I've been hearing about the rapture all of my life. And I'm not going to stop hearing about it. Because we need to be reminded of that's where we're headed. Jesus is coming soon. And if you're tired of hearing about it, go some other church. 
but you're not going to stop hearing it from me because I want to make sure you're ready because that's our destination. That's the joy set before us. You see, that's our blessed hope. Not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not, and I'm anxious and looking forward to that trumpet blowing. And the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive and remain will be caught up to be with Jesus. The rapture is the next prophetic event to take place on the church calendar. In the world, in the world, in the world calendar, really. So there's some prophetic significance that's going on right now in this whole great reset. But folks, here's the fact is that we're still in the church age. That trumpet hasn't sounded yet, has it? Which means that there's still work to do, church. You hear me, church? There's still work to do. Turn to someone and say, there's still work to do. Come on, turn to someone else and say, there's still work to do. Church, there's still souls to be saved. You hear me? Church, there's still lives to be rescued, church. Church, listen, there's still people that need deliverance and there's still people that need help because for every question out there in our world today, Jesus is still the answer to every question. He always has been. He always will be. And we have the answer living inside of us. And we take him with us everywhere we go. We take the answer with us everywhere we go. So church, now is not the time for giving in. Or for holding on. Now is not the time for giving up. But now is the time for going even stronger. Now is not the time for being silent. But for shouting it from the mountaintops. That Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm preaching better than your amen in this morning. I hate it when pastors say that. It brings us to our third point today. And I'm going to ask Pastor Joseph and Pastor Matt to come up and have a seat up here. You guys are in big trouble. No, I'm kidding. Come on up. So there's tumultuous times that are still going on in the world today. And they're going to continue. But in those tumultuous times, in those perilous times, it's fertile soil for the Holy Spirit to do a new work. And what is that new work? Just come on up. I'm going to sit in the middle there, guys. Um, and here's the third point that I want to make. I'm going to come over here. And... Yeah. You appreciate Pastor Matt and Pastor Joseph? Amen. So here's the third point that I, that I want us to talk about here this morning for just a few moments. So again, tumultuous times, fertile for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. So what is that that he wants to do? And that is this, and put that up here on the screen because I want you to write this down, church. The mission must drive the church into society. So important. Say that with me. The mission must drive the church into society. So easy for the church to, to just shrink back and pull back. The, the worst thing that the church can do, the worst thing that we can do during this time is to pull back into a protective mode 
and just wait for the trumpet to sound. Even so, come Lord Jesus is a great prayer to pray. But as I said a few moments ago, we're still in the church age, which means that there's still a work to do. Um, the Bible talks about uh, one of the parables was these three men that had talents. And they weren't talents like abilities, but they were talents like money. And one got ten, one got five, and one got... No, one got five, one got two, and one got one. And the five doubled it to ten, the two doubled it to four, and the one did what? He just buried it, right? There's too many churches today that are burying their talent. Church, let's not be that church. And I'm not talking about corporately either, because we're not going to do that corporately. We're not going to bury them corporately. But a church is made up of individuals, and each of you has something well to steward. And you're going to stand individually before the Lord one day, and we will corporately. And he's going to either say, well done, you've doubled it, well done, you've invested it, or depart from me because you buried it. And this is not the time for burying it. Church, listen to me. This is not the time to bury it. This is the time to invest it. And that's going into society. And I don't know what that looks like for you as an individual. I know what that looks like for us as a church. And maybe individually it may even pull us into what God's called for you to do. And we can do that corporately as the Lord lays something on your heart. And by the way, we're here to facilitate that. You know, we want to make sure that if God's put something on your heart, don't just do that off to your own. Talk to us about it. Let's see what we can do to pool our resources together and, you know, network and make it happen and bring some other people into the, into the mix that maybe have that same sort of heart. And that's really what we're talking about this morning. If Jesus is coming back soon, and, and folks, he is, and we see the signs all around us. I believe we're in this home stretch before the trumpet sounds. So that fact alone must drive us into our community, into society, into our schools, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our marketplaces, our courthouses, our schoolhouses, all the different places. And, and in fact, not just in a nonchalant way or even in a cavalier way, but it must be urgent and it must be intentional. God's called us to do, continue to be, uh, to, fulfill, to fulfill the mission of Christ. And, and, and a lot of times there's, there's a complacency, there's a fear, there's a busyness uh, that we excuse ourselves from doing those things that God's called us to do. But those are just excuses, not reasons. Because we can set those things aside. God, I give you my fear. God, help me to not be so busy. And God, put a passion and a burning inside me, a fire inside of me so that I'm not complacent. All those are on us. Right? And it's not our jobs, by the way. By the way, our jobs is to equip. That's why pastors exist. To equip, to shepherd, certainly. But you're not paying us so that we do the job. That's not how that works. Right? We're here to equip. We're here to steward well. We're here to disciple. And that's what we want to talk about. Our goal. So, our goal for 2022 is to do the mission. And that mission is kind of divided up into three different areas. So the first one being making disciples. What does that look like for either one of you? I don't know who wants to share first, but what does that look like? And what's God laid on your heart to make disciples? I'll start off. Um, 
One thing that we like to incorporate and that we're going to incorporate more in 2022 is Junior Bible Quiz. Have you guys ever heard of Junior Bible Quiz before? What is it? Junior Bible Quiz is a, um, a curriculum put out by the Assemblies of God, and it teaches biblical literacy, and it gives you, uh, the more you study it, it gives you a strong foundation in the Bible and what the Bible is. So when these kids start learning biblical literacy, it would be funny because sometimes I'll bring in the kids, and sometimes the kids know more than the adults. Wow, the wow, <laughs> putting us to shame. Hey, so the mantle has been thrown down, right, church? We're not going to let some child know more than us about the Bible, right? We're going to match that. Go ahead. So just teaching them, uh, giving them a strong spiritual foundation in the Word of God and having them get involved in Bible reading, not wait until they become a teenager, handing them off to Pastor Joseph in the youth group, but... Um, giving them a strong foundation for, for when they get into the youth group. Tag, you're it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing that I've been focusing on is a biblical foundation. We have a lot of people that are in the world today who've been to church, they've gone to church, they left the church, uh, but they're biblically illiterate. We have a lot of people in our churches that are biblically illiterate. Um, they haven't opened up the Bible to study it. They haven't sat down with somebody to um, bounce ideas off of, or they haven't had anybody who's, uh, who's been um, seasoned to step with them and walk through them with in, uh, in life. So we have an opportunity in the youth to go through the Bible verse by verse and understand who Jesus is. If, once we understand who Jesus is and know that he's our foundation, we can build up from there and that will shape how they, they think in life and how they do things in the future. But I always tell the kids, what if somebody comes up and says, well, the Bible says this, and you're like, I don't know if that's true or not. Do you have, do you have uh, enough to, to go back, or do you have somebody to go back and say, is this true? And so we have to be biblically literate. We have to have a firm foundation, and we have to be able to do that together. So you may, be, you may think, I don't know what to do. I don't feel like I'm qualified. I said, that doesn't matter. Get into the Word. Find people. Get together and become biblically literate. And that really kind of pivots to creating spaces that, we're, that we have here for folks to do life together so that they can not only grow in His Word, but also uh, the Lord can uh, maybe speak to them about a direction that they can go. Maybe some things that the Lord speaks to their heart to say, man, I really want you to do this in our life groups. Talk about that. Our, our life groups are a wonderful time to be able to come together and do life together. But also, it's a wonderful time to be able to get together with, with others and read the Bible. Do, we have groups that get together and have fun. That's great. We have groups that do Bible studies. That's awesome. We need everyone to do that. If you're not in a group, you're missing out. You could be missing out on something that God wants to speak to you. You're missing out on relationships that are there to help you grow stronger. Iron sharpens iron. We need each other in order to do that. And, uh, and there's opportunities, too, for the talent that God gave you to be able to speak into somebody else's life to unbury that talent and to invest it in others so that uh, you can grow. I know when I teach, I become better. When, when I sit and listen to somebody, yeah, I, I listen. Oh, that's a great idea. 
But when I teach, I'm teaching myself too. I don't know it all. But I'm walking with those that I'm teaching. And God is placing little nuggets of truth, opening my eyes up to different things. And we all can do it. It's just we have to step out and do that. So these Life Together groups are, are really opportunities for us to grow in our relationship with the Lord and with one another and encourage one another. The Bible says to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, even as you see the day approaching, all the more do it. And it's not just a Sunday morning gathering. This is great. Let's keep doing this. But there's more. And so we have a list of things on our website. And the Life Together groups are really overarching. It's the children's ministry. It's the youth ministry. It's our Sunday morning prayer times. By the way, we meet at 9.15 on Sunday mornings. And, and Friday mornings, they meet at 9.30. And, and, and there's times to come together for prayer. That's a Life Together group. That's doing life together. And in those Life Together groups, we, we, we do pray for one another. We laugh together. We eat together. We study God's Word together. We do life together. And it's creating an environment for the Lord to do what He wants to do. But it's a choice that you would make uh, to, to move to that next uh, step to say, you know, Sunday mornings are good, but I need more. And, and so the, the, those opportunities are there. And they're on our website. And if you need to see Pastor Joseph about it, you can. He's over the uh, Life Together groups. And they meet throughout the week, different times of the day, different days of the week. And also we're going to have a sign-up for them uh, the, the end of next month. That, that Sunday of uh, next month, we've got it planned. So we're going to have a sign-up Sunday for the Life Together groups. If you want to lead one, if you want to be part of one, it's, an, it's creating a space for us to do life together. And I strongly encourage you to do that. Go ahead. And it's a great opportunity to bring people yes. outside the church. People that wouldn't normally come to church on Sunday mornings, but they're going to come to your house. Yes. Or to a restaurant or something. And, and find out we're not all crazy. Not all much. of us. Not all. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> but, but to be able to bring others in. Uh, I spent a lot of time when I was working outside of the church with people. And I had a captive audience. Not to preach at them, but to get into their life. To let them talk. And, and, and to have those opportunities. Uh, I had one of them, one time he called me up, and he was a colleague. He didn't work at my work, but I was around him a lot. He said, hey, do you remember that time you invited me to church? I'm like, mm, not really. <laughs> um, he says, well, I talked to my wife, and we're going to come. I'm like, awesome, <laughs> great. But I wasn't preaching at him. I wasn't trying to coerce. I was spending time with him. And he interpreted that into an invitation. And I care for you. Yeah, you're important. You're valuable. Pastor Matt, we hear a lot the no, grow, go. And the, 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 so we're talking about our mission here, and that is to make disciples and also to create an environment uh, to, grow, to grow in God's word, but create that environment in these Life Together groups. We also go out and do outreaches and different things uh, so that we go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. But we hear what no, grow, go is. How do, these, how do these things that we're talking about relate to the no, grow, go? Can you lay that out for the congregation? Sure. For kids, we have a program right now for kids and teens. Uh, it's called Youth Got Talent. I'm not sure if you've heard of it or not or read it in your bulletin. But once a month, what we do is we provide the kids and teens a free lunch in the cafe where what we're doing is we're building a community. And then after that, we bring them in the sanctuary and they have a chance to share their gifts and talents with And in the fact, you saw some of that uh, manifest last Sunday. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that was birthed out of 2021 because we had to get creative. Mm -hmm. So um, it's neat because you get to see God's given each of these kids and these teens a gift. Mm -hmm. And it's neat to see them excel in it.
and when they're excelling in it, they're also growing a community of friends together, and they'll be able to take that talent with them wherever they go, outside of the walls, into wherever they, the Lord may have them serve now, as you saw last Sunday, or somewhere else. Uh, but uh, one vision I have is for all these classrooms to be filled with instructors Amen. and kids so they can share, they can learn that gift more. People can mentor them, and that gives another opportunity for people to share that gift that they can teach on. But these kids will eventually go outside these four walls mm -hmm. and use that gift for God's glory. Yeah, amen, for God's glory. So our, our purpose here is to know Jesus as Savior. And then we're, that's salvation. That's just that initial decision that we make to give our life to Christ. The next part is to, is to grow. It's kind of an ongoing thing until we breathe our last and we get to heaven, that's the growing part, to grow in his lordship, allowing him to be lord of our life. But then, really, there's, there's a, as we physically uh, grow up and we get to the place where we're able to get married and reproduce physically, the Lord is calling us also to do the same spiritually. And it's, it's, it's having a fertile spiritual womb and going out from the four walls into society and telling people about Jesus. We've been doing that in 2021. Um, we're going to continue to do that in 2022. There's opportunities for us to do that, not just corporately, because outreach is not an event. It's a lifestyle. Outreach is not something you do on a Sunday, Saturday morning once a month uh, as, in a group, even though it is. But hopefully that's a launching pad for us to be able to realize that that's something that God's called me to do. It's just part of how I breathe and how I live. And like you just mentioned, that you, that you weren't cramming Jesus down their throat. You were just living before them. You were valuing them, letting them know you love them. And as a result of that, they said, we're coming to church. And that's beautiful. And that's really what the Lord is asking us to do. Not being an event of outreach or evangelism, but letting it be a lifestyle. Just shine your light before men so that people may see your good works and glorify the Father. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Our heart is to, to engage in society, to go into society. Uh, but we want to see us... Here at Faith, do our part to make sure that you guys are well-equipped, that the gospel is being preached, but that it's not just all happening on the four walls. That's why we do life together in homes and restaurants and other places, so that we can invite people, like you said, I love that, invite people to our homes and other places where they wouldn't come to church first, but they'll come to that event, and then they realize we're not all crazy, and they'll come and realize, hey, you know, that, this is, that, that way they know a handful of people. Already, when they come to the service, and, and it's a process of getting them exposed to the presence of the Lord, because, again, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. We bring them to the foot of the cross, and God takes care of the rest, right? The Holy Spirit takes care of the rest. Um, we live in a world, Joseph and Matt, Pastor Joseph and Pastor Matt, that's increasingly hostile to Jesus. And I think we need to be careful and church, we need to be careful that we, don't, that we don't consider speaking the truth of the gospel into current issues and in current situations that are going on. As we're speaking that, let's be careful that, that we're not looking this as a problem, but instead let's make sure we look at it as an opportunity and we look at it as a privilege to speak God's love into someone's life. As I said earlier, I believe that we're the terminal generation before the return of Christ. Um, and it really is a wonderful privilege to be that generation that not only sees uh, the end times events unfold before us, as difficult as it may be right now, as tumultuous and uncertain as it may seem right now, 
um, God is still in control. And we're in that generation as we're seeing these things unfold. But also, we get to be that generation that completes the task that began with a handful of about 120 in a little upper room in a city called Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago. We get to be the bookend to that other bookend. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, so let's dare not coast or, or, or abdicate that responsibility. We're determined and we're committed to you all to press in and to, to lead you all in that way, to shepherd you well. Uh, but let's all do our part together. Let's roll up our sleeves in 2022, amen? Um, so 2022, we can either focus on that turmoil, that extended time of difficulty that the world will be facing. We can either look at it or continue to look at it. Let's not either look at it or continue, either one. But let's pivot back to keeping our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? Amen. I encourage you to step back and get God's perspective on things. Um, it's easy to get caught up in the turmoil when you're a player on the field, but in football, there's coaches that are sitting up way high in the bleachers on the 50-yard line, right? And they got some binoculars, and they see the whole field, and they see exactly what's going on, and they're giving instructions to the coach on the field who then gives the instructions to the quarterback, who then gives instructions to the players, and they do the play because they see the weaknesses. They see the opportunities. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing in this situation. There's opportunities for us. The Holy Spirit has got this. So let's get on the field, and let's not do anything but follow his commands. Uh, this is not, I believe, just another opportunity, but I believe it's maybe the final opportunity for us as we um, yield to the Holy Spirit and watch Him show up and do a great work in our midst. So let's yield to the Holy Spirit, amen? Let's yield to the Holy Spirit, church, like they did in the upper room. Let's do that today, and let's continue to do that. And let's keep a healthy and right perspective on the eternal things and stay focused on the mission. God's business is what? Souls. And we are his employees, right? So how's business? Uh, let's let 2022 be a gangbusters year for souls. Amen. 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 Yeah, come on. Let's give God praise for that. I'm going to leave you with, I'm going to leave you with one scripture. Then I'm going to ask Pastor Joseph, Pastor Matt, for you to pray over the congregation. In fact, let's stand here in front of the pulpit because I'm going to ask the, the congregation here in just a few moments. In fact, would you stand with me as I read this one more scripture? And we're going to wrap this thing up today. Isaiah 30, chapter 30, uh, verse 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or whether you turn to the left, your ears will hear, hear a voice behind you. Like that. Whether you turn to the right or whether you turn to the left, you're going to hear this steady, constant voice. It's, 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 it's certain, and it's behind you. It's not to the left or to the right, because the Bible says don't look to the left or to the right. So when you find yourself looking to the left and, and looking to the right, what do I do? Oh, no, this new variant. Oh, no, this new mandate. Oh, no, this new situation. Oh, no, this new, uh, this new tumultuous experience in my life. It's going to cause you to look to the right to the left. But there's a voice, capital V, voice, that is right behind you. And he's speaking to you. And he's saying these words. Say it with me. This is the way. Walk in it. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
And he's speaking to us this morning. I'm going to ask you to slip out from your seats, every last one of you. And I'm going to ask you to come and come to this altar and stand before the Lord this morning. I know maybe some of you aren't used to doing this, but this is the time that you're going to break out of that uncomfortableness. I just need you for a few moments to step up to this altar and just stand before us. And Pastor Matt and Pastor Joseph and I are going to pray over you. And I want you to lift up your hands and I want you to receive from the Lord right now as we pray. Pastor Joseph, if you will, would you lead us in prayer? And then Pastor Joseph, Pastor Matt, you be next and then I'll, I'll wrap this up. Let's receive from the Lord right now. Go ahead, let's pray. Father, we, we come to you today and we, we know that you have a job for us. Yes, Lord. Lord we, we, we need encouragement. We need, uh, we need to be able to come around uh, together in, and complete the job that you've given us. Yes, Lord. So, Lord, give us strength. Give us boldness. Jeez. Lord, give us the, uh, the eye to be able to see the opportunities. Give us an ear Jeez. to be able to listen to those who are, are hurting and, and that, are, that are looking for you. And Lord, give us the words we need to be able to speak into their lives. Jeez. Not from our abilities, but Lord, from your, your prompting and, and, uh, and, and your wisdom. Yes. Lord, as we move forward, help us to look for opportunities to spend more time in your word. Help us yes. look for opportunities to pray. Yes. And Lord, use this time not as a time to, to fall back, mm. but Lord, to, to surge forward as we move through these times. Mm -hmm. People are, 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 are starving for something. Jesus. They are empty and they're hungry. Lord, I pray that you'd use us. Use us mightily. Yes, Lord. Father, we love you. We praise you. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would lead each of us, Lord Jesus. Yes. you got a plan for each of us, Lord. And we pray that we follow that mission and that calling and that voice, Lord Jesus. Jesus. We pray for our kids and teens, Lord. Holy yes, Spirit, Lord. lead them, Lord, and help them to be lights and prayer vessels in our schools, Lord yes, Jesus. Lord. Father, we pray for peace through this, Lord Jesus. We just pray for the peace of God and comfort us. And be our shepherd. We love you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this time. And I pray your anointing right now over each one in this congregation as we extend our hands out to each one here. And this is a representation of all those that, 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 that call faith assembly their home church. Lord, they're out and about today, not here for different reasons. But Lord, we pray over this entire congregation, whether they're here or not. And I pray right now that you would fill us with your spirit, empower us with your spirit, anoint us with your spirit. Holy Spirit, we yield to you. Congregation, yield right now to the Holy Spirit. Say it out loud. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. I give you my mind. I give you my heart. I give you my past. I give you my emotions. I give you my struggles. I give you it all. I yield to you my body. I yield to you my relationships. I yield to you my possessions, my talents. I give it all to you. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. I'm yours. Take me and do with me as you will. Lord God, I know that 2022, just because it clicks over, doesn't mean that the issues of 2021 are going to stay isolated in this year. They're going to roll on over. But Lord, we know that you're in 2022, just like you're in 2021, just like you've been with us every year of our lives and every year that this that this world has existed because you are over this earth. You are over this universe. You're still in control. Now, Father, we thank you that even in this tumultuous time, 
We thank you, Lord, that it's an opportunity for you, Holy Spirit, to do a new work. We thank you for the fertile soil that is being created for revival and for an outbreak of, your, of the gospel to be declared in this terminal generation. Now, Father, take our tongues. Father, take our lives. Speak through us. Let the love of Jesus pour out from us. Let the Holy Spirit draw people to you. Oh, God, we yield ourselves to you. We won't shrink back. We won't cower down. We won't be in a defensive mode. We're not going to just wait for your return. But we're still in the church age. There's still a work to do. And we're going to do it. Father, I pray that you'd help us to stay focused on the good news, on the eternal news, on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord God, that the rest of this news will just fade off into some little, uh, into some little insignificant noise. It, uh, we pray that it won't connect our hearts or entangle our vine, uh, entangle us in any sort of vines. We tie. We actually we sever those those. Those ties, we sever those vines that are attached, that have attached themselves to us. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to run the race with perseverance, with the joy set before us. And, and anybody that is part of this church that has allowed the vines to enwrap them and to entangle them. We speak against those vines in the name of Jesus to be loosed from those people. And we thank you, God, that you're going to help us to stay focused instead on running the race set before us without any entanglement. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. And we pray, God, your purposes and your plans to be accomplished in and through our lives individually, through this church, through the church, through this nation and in the world, Lord God. Let the gospel of Jesus Christ be proclaimed. I pray for boldness, Lord God. Let us speak with clarity. I pray. Let us speak your word. Let us point people to you, Lord Jesus, and you only. And as we lift you up, as we live our lives as a representative, as an ambassador for you, Lord God, may people be drawn to Christ in us. And may they repent and give their lives to you. I thank you, God. <clears throat> we pray in advance of 2022 <clears throat> for fertile spiritual wombs. I want you to place your, your hands right now, church, on your tummies right now as if that was a womb. Guys, do the same thing. I know that's not normal, but do it because you got a spiritual womb inside of you. Women, you know what I'm talking about too. You got that womb inside of you, but men, you do too. All of us have that spiritual womb. And as we place our hands right now on our tummies, I pray, Lord God, that you would make our spiritual wombs come alive. Lord God, I pray for, for not just one at a time, but let there be... Uh, twins and triplets and quadruplets and God let these babies pop out I pray Lord God let them pop out I pray for fertile spiritual wounds Lord God I pray Lord God that you would use us to birth many people into the kingdom I thank you Lord God through the words that we say through the decisions that we make through our actions through our choices through our thoughts through our life through our consistency Lord God I pray Lord God that the, that the wombs that the spiritual just like Sarah's womb would not come alive but for father in your time and in your providence it came alive what seemed impossible with man was possible with you Lord God nothing is impossible and I pray God for dormant wombs right now spiritually that would come alive and that you would cause their Lord God to be many souls birth for your kingdom 
We thank you, Lord God. Let this church, use this church to be a spiritual lighthouse, I pray. And let the light of Christ shine brightly in this community, Lord God. And continue to use us, Lord God, for your glory. That the gospel will be preached as we support missionaries. And as we do what we do in this community, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, not just for one or two. But let uh, let it be tenfold, twentyfold, thirtyfold, a hundredfold, Lord God, of what we invest into your kingdom. We pray, Lord God, that it would come down, pressed down, come back, pressed down, shaken together and running over for your glory, for your kingdom's sake, we pray. Hallelujah. Now I want you to just lift up your hands and thank God for a fertile spiritual womb, for opportunities to grow in him, opportunities to grow in his word, opportunities to be a minister of the gospel to those in this body of believers, a word of encouragement that we can pray for one another, that we can encourage one another, that we can share with one another whatever it is that God has blessed us with. God, that we would be the church. Let us be a New Testament church, I pray. And Father, where it seems like that the, the ship of the world is breaking apart because it's stuck on a sand uh, dune. Lord God, we know that you're still in control and you're going to bring us to shore safely and you're going to provide planks and whatever it is that we need, Lord God. And you're going to receive the glory and not one soul in this place is going to be lost, I pray. Keep us in your care, Lord God. Our faith is not in a boat. Our faith is not in the, this nation's provision or this government or antidote or anything like that. Our faith is in you, Lord Jesus. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Say it. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Would you give God praise in this place this morning?